Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and thanks for listening to the Burke Allen Show on the Blog Talk Radio Network from our studios here in Washington, D.C. If you'd like to be a part of the program, the number to call is 646-668-2634. 646-668-2634. And today we're talking politics, but the fun kind of politics, kind of politics that uh, find their way into some of the books that we all love to read, the, the Tom Clancy style of politics the political thriller and the political thriller the spectrum conspiracy is winning awards and winning readers all over the country all over the world the author is craig ferris and this is a book that is so exciting that that uh, i can tell you that the president gets assassinated at the podium and that's in just the first couple of pages so if that's how it begins imagine how it all wraps up political thriller author the novelist Craig Ferris is our guest today. Hey, Craig, thanks for being on the program today. Thank you for having me, Burke. So what goes through a guy's mind to make him want to shoot the president in the first chapter of a book? What sort of twisted individual am I talking to here? Well, actually, the individual who is uh, blamed for the crime is totally unaware that he's the assassin. So it's actually set up by a much bigger entity in the government that uh, has decided that the president must be stopped. This is interesting in the fact that that you wrote this book a couple of years ago. This is way before the very controversial uh, uh, Donald Trump uh, presidency. So how often now do people come up to you, readers and such, and say, Oh, does this book have to do with the Trump thing? I mean, is there is that all being conflated into the whole book now, even though you wrote it a while back? Well, I guess any author always has to kind of worry that he might, uh, by writing a certain set, uh, set of events, might actually inspire a terrorist to uh, to copy him. But you know, that's what fiction is. You just come up with an idea and write it down, and this book was written long before Donald Trump ever took office, and actually even before uh, Barack Obama took office. So this is an idea that's been gestating in you for a really long time. I'm always fascinated when when these great plot lines for, for stories, great storytellers like yourself, how the whole process comes to you. So So where did the idea for the spectrum conspiracy begin? Was it, you know, a news item you saw on TV or you read in the paper a long time ago? Was it something you, you dreamed up in the shower? Where did the germ of the idea begin for the spectrum conspiracy? I think the germ actually happened about 1973 when I went to see a movie with Burt Lancaster called uh, Executive Action. And that was one of the first movies that had the Kennedy assassination as a possible conspiracy. And one of the scenes had one of the potential assassins using a camera that was mounted on a gun stock. And I okay. 
took a look at that, and suddenly I realized, you know, just think about how many cameras are pointed at a president every day. And um, that's where the germ of the idea came from. If you're just joining us, the author is Craig Ferris. The book is The Spectrum Conspiracy from Bella Rosa Books. It's uh, available online at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and uh, and bookstores everywhere. You're a, a Southern writer, Craig. Uh, you come from South Carolina. Do do other great Southern writers, uh, the Harper Lees of the world, the uh, uh, folks like that, did, did they influence your style any at all, or do you have other writers that you sort of look up to in, in the craft? Yeah, I guess John Grisham is considered a Southern writer. Uh, yeah, I've always enjoyed his books, and I've enjoyed Dean Koontz's books. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a Southern writer. I just like thrillers and suspense. I, uh, that's what I read, and that's what I try to write. And even my short stories, I try to keep a lot of suspense into the story. But you don't want to wear your reader out. Ask the you know areas there where the you give the reader actual rest of this roller coaster ride. You uh, you mentioned you were a short story writer previous to writing the Spectrum Conspiracy. For folks who are listening, that might be authors or have always said, you know, there's there's a book in me there somewhere. Tell me about that process, uh, going from from a guy who writes. You know, short stories, short pieces, to being a novelist? Well, I never intended to be a novelist. As a matter of fact, it was about the last thing I expected that I would be good at. I was actually a artist all through uh, elementary school and high school, and even as a, as a career, I worked as a graphic designer. But then, you know, I, I had this story idea in the back of my head, and I had a really boring job one year where the only thing the computer would do is run Microsoft Word while sending these files. And so I sat down and started writing the first page of this novel, and unfortunately, 226,800 words later, I finally finished this book, and I had no idea what wow. I was doing. Um, and the book had, you know, every kind of mistake you can make in it. I was changing point of view all over the place. You know, I, I, my grammar was atrocious, you know, and then... You know, I joined the writer's group, and that's the first thing I would always suggest to any new writer do before you even put pen to paper is join a writer's group and, and where you can get critiques on what you're doing and start short because it takes only three days to write a short story. It might take three years to write a novel. and uh, So you don't have that much time invested, but there's still a lot of thought that has to go into a short story. My... Um, best advice is to keep it short. Uh, I try to write nothing longer than about three to 4,000 words at most, but in the beginning I started out with a 1,700-word limit, which forces you to edit and forces you to become a better writer. If you're just joining us, our, our guest is the author of the political thriller The Spectrum Conspiracy, Craig Ferris. The book is available from Bella Rosa Books and bookstores everywhere. Uh, online as well at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. And you can be a part of the conversation, too, by calling us at 646-668-2634. I've got a copy of the book in my hands right now, and you talked about being a, a, a graphic designer. And the book cover just looks fantastic. So um, for folks that are listening on Blog Talk Radio, you probably saw the book jacket there and the, the graphics on our homepage but it's it's this very striking uh, photo of of the podium there. I guess the White House briefing room, 
there's a, a blood splatter on, on the White House seal behind the podium and what looks to be maybe uh, Secret Service members tending to a fallen president. How much time and effort do you think uh, authors should put into having a great book jacket? You know, the old saying is uh, you can't judge a book by its cover, but but in, in your case, I think people really do. That's the kind of cover that makes me want to pick up that book and read it. So so as a graphic designer, you may have a, a skewed view of this, but how important is is that book cover? Well, I think that the book cover is paramount to selling books. Even even now with uh, e-books and audio books, you still have a cover that uh, is um, displayed on the website, and that really influences people to buy it. In this particular case, um, I wanted to do something a little different, and so I actually showed the, the point of the assassination right there in the White House briefing room, and that photograph was actually put together from about a hundred different layers of different photographs and um, I couldn't find any pictures of secret service agents even holding guns much less firing them so I got my son up one day at 7 o'clock in the morning and we took a couple of photographs and, um, and then I just placed this into the, to the, uh, the picture and I teach Photoshop so that was pretty easy for me Oh wow so that is actually uh, sort of a, a graphic depiction of a photo of your son standing in for a Secret Service agent. How cool is that? Yes. Uh, Craig Ferris is our, our, our guest today. The book is The Spectrum Conspiracy, and and uh, he is, is not only the author of this political thriller, but uh, is a graphic designer by trade and designed this fantastic book jacket. So you may want to take a look at it. Um, you know, we've talked about this this assassination piece. That's really the opening of the book. And and in the book, they assassinate the, the President of the United States in the White House briefing room. It's on live television. Uh, you know, everybody saw who did it. But the real question is, when you wrote the story, you know, why would you kill the president there in the most secure place in the world? And what was the president about to say in the briefing room that made them want to shut him up? Well, that, of course, is the mystery. We know that there is a ultra-secret operation in the Pentagon that is trying to produce and design and the ultimate anti-terrorist weapon. However, when the president discovers a leaked report on it, he's incensed by its implications and threatens to expose it to a nationwide press conference. Well, they have to do something to stop him. All of that happens right in the opening chapter. But that's really only the tip of the iceberg as to what's really going on. Uh, as you can imagine, any kind of an anti-terrorist weapon would have to be ultra-secret, and it would have to be something that Congress wouldn't want anyone else to find out about it. So that just kind of kicks off the whole story. So the plot just sort of continues to explode from there. We're talking about the Spectrum Conspiracy, the political thriller from author Craig Ferris. Craig is our guest today on the Burke Allen Show. Um, and as, as exciting as that whole piece is, you know, assassinating the president on live television in the White House briefing room, everybody sees it. That really is just sort of the kickoff of the book. And, and your central character is this, uh, this FBI special agent, Devrin Crosby. Uh, when, when lots of, of thriller writers and, and fiction writers in general begin to write their stories, uh, some of them tend to do a lot more research than others some of them spend hundreds of hours researching uh both online and then they they actually interview uh their subjects what what sort of research did you put into 
Special Agent Devrin Crosby, the the FBI agent who's sort of the lead character in this book. Uh, Did you you look up the FBI online? Did you talk to some real agents? How did you sort of pull this character together? Well, I certainly traveled to Washington and saw the sites that I was trying to uh, write about. Um, I knew that my character needed to be flawed because no one's perfect and and um, that's really the only interesting characters are the ones that have problems, and he does. He has shot the wrong person. He's actually suspended at the time that they, this all takes place. And because of that, he has developed a drinking problem. So every Sunday night he goes to this little bar. I call it Good Time Charlie's. And um, he um, orders himself a beer, and he just sits there and lets the phone die and they it get warm because he knows if he can sit there in front of it and not touch it but smell it, he's good for the week. And the real goal is this piano, little baby grand that happens to be in this bar, and he likes to play the piano, but he wants to wait till everybody else leaves. So he's, he's also kind of insecure because of what's happened to him. But he's a very flawed character, and and he has a, he's interested in this one forensic specialist who is dating his partner, who he can't stand. So that, it also brings a lot of conflict into the story. And and Devin Crosby, as he begins to investigate this assassination of the president, in the beginning, it, it all kind of looks like a hate crime. Uh, yes. But as he goes on, of course, he uncovers something that's a lot more uh, sinister. It's more of a, a big picture conspiracy that has a secret government agency. There's uh, you know, a nuclear uh, weapon, there's amateur thieves, and, and then the suspense sort of gets ratcheted up. I want to talk to you a little bit about the hate crime thing, only because of yeah. where you live. And I live, by the way, in the South for quite a while. What, what do you know about and, and what research did you do into, into that whole world when you thought about introducing, uh, you know, the possibility of a hate crime in, into the spectrum conspiracy? Well, first, uh, the president um, is an African-American, and I wrote this initial part of the book long before Barack Obama became president, and he, but he's a Republican. And the, uh, um, the situation is put, put as, a, uh, as a hate crime because that's the way that they're set up. The Patsy who is blamed for it, he, um, they end up finding a locker, a storage locker full of uh, KKK literature, robes, uh, camera parts, uh, everything he would need, and and they even lift his fingerprints and put them all over uh, some of the items in the storage locker, but the poor guy has no clue that, you know, he is the the assassin. He's just trying to operate a camera to film what's going on in the, uh, with the president's speech. He doesn't realize that, uh, that someone else is actually controlling the camera from across the room, and he certainly doesn't realize that there is a rifle barrel built into the little microphone boom, uh, uh, the microphone boom that's attached to the camera. So that's actually, you know, how they pull off the crime. But that's not really giving away anything that happens so early in the story. And and obviously, you know, it's it's a big setup, and it's almost too too convenient a narrative and, and too obvious. Um, and, and since you wrote this, or began writing it a long time ago, as you said before, President Obama was elected. 
before the, the tragic events in your state uh, in, in Charleston, South Carolina, with Dylan Roof and that horrible hate crime there at the, at the uh, African-American church in Charleston, as all of these things unfolded, uh, did it give you pause? Did you say, man, maybe I, you know, I'm, I'm hitting a little bit too close to home here. Maybe, maybe this is not what I want to put out there into the world. Or did you have sort of the opposite thought and, and say, well, geez, you know, there are pieces of this that, that are, are now reflecting what's really happening in the world. Or did you have a completely different thought? So, so tell me about that, the, sort of the imagined things that you imagined and then how some of these, these things have, have bubbled forth in the national consciousness. Well, we all agree that what happened in Charleston was horrible, and this individual certainly um, has uh, going to pay a long time for doing it, and I applaud that. I feel that any type of hate crimes, you know, toward um, people who are just different, from him and us uh, is is morally wrong, and um and in this particular story, you know that that whole scene is is designed basically as a cover, and it it works because there's all of this evidence support uh, uh, to support that this is the the assassin of the, of the story when actually of course he was totally innocent, um but I agree that that um you know this is this is a a book that's got really strong characters. One of the main characters in the story is an African American, and uh, he ends up being, he's Crosby's best friend. And there's a a subplot that goes on that that uh, at first you kind of wonder how this ties into the whole thing. But uh, as one of the reviewers said, there are lots of plot elements in this story, and there's lots of characters, but it all comes together in the end like Sunday dinner. <laughs> I love that line. Our author is Craig Ferris. He wrote the political thriller, The Spectrum Conspiracy. And Craig, when we come back after the break, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about, you mentioned this this reviewer had the great line about how it all comes together uh, like Sunday dinner. I want to talk to you about what it's like for you to write a story, to come up with something out of your head, and then to see it win just a ton of literary awards and make you not only a best-selling thriller writer, but also a guy who who now is a multiple award winner. So hang on. We're going to talk more with Craig Ferris, the author of The Spectrum Conspiracy, when we come back. And you can find it online at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, SpectrumConspiracy.com, and more. This is The Burke Allen Show, back in 60 seconds. Over 14 million people witnessed his emotional story of survival and triumph on national television. I've been doing this now for so long, like ever since I was a kid. Millions more voted him their favorite in a landslide win. The winner is... And now, you can be a part of the experience live. Landau Eugene Murphy Jr. Landau Eugene Murphy Jr. Ain't that a kick in the head? You're America's Got Talent winner. I've got you. Landau Eugene Murphy Jr. Under my Live, live. Performing classics from the Great American Songbook and his Columbia Records debut CD, That's Life. That's Life. Landau Eugene Murphy Jr.'s That's Life Tour. The one concert event this year you absolutely can't miss. Get concert dates and more online for Landau Eugene Murphy Jr. LandauMurphyJr.com.
Hey, thanks for listening to the Burke Allen Show on the Blog Talk Radio Network. If you'd like to be a part of the program, our number is 646-668-2634, 646-668-2634. We're talking with Craig Ferris, the author of the red-hot political thriller, The Spectrum Conspiracy. It's about an African-American president who gets assassinated in the opening chapter of the book, and then it all kind of goes downhill from there for FBI Special Agent Devin Crosby, who gets pulled into a uh, possible hate crime, and then it's not a hate crime, and there's a, a nuclear issue. And I don't want to give the whole thing away, but it is a white knuckle thrill ride all the way through. So, Craig, you come up with something out of your noggin. It's just pure out of your head. You do some research to, to sort of get the nuts and bolts together. But then people start reading it, and people start loving it. Ninety-four percent, I saw this, ninety-four percent five-star reviews online. And did I get this right? There are eight literary awards now? Yes, it just won the reader's favorite uh, a gold medal for best suspense novel in November of 2016. And in March of 2016, it won the Beverly Hills International Book Award for best suspense novel. It's a, a shortlist finalist in the William Faulkner competition. I mean, the list just goes on and on. You know, what do you think whenever you get that? Is that is it validation for you that, gosh, the story is actually pretty good, or does it surprise you that, that people are digging it? I mean, well, what do you think? Well, actually, I was really surprised since it was my first novel. Um, well, my first novel actually got published. But uh, the, the most validation I got came from Ted Talley. Ted Talley is known as the Academy Award-winning a screenwriter of The Silence of the Lambs, and um, I actually sent him a copy of the book because I was thanking him for putting me in touch with this lady in Hollywood, and um, he wrote to me and says, wow, what a book. It's a wild white-knuckle ride, pedal to the metal, right from page one, never letting up. I'm very impressed with your book's ambition and scope by the intricacies of your plotting, by your relentless pacing, your handling of the action, by your grasp of the technical and procedural details that bring such authenticity to the story. Your writing shows real authority and reveal risk-taking. Congratulations on this outstanding thriller. I believe I'm going to put that tattooed on your back. You know, that's that's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) At least on a shirt. The guy that writes Silence of the Lamb says that about you, then, then you're off to the races. And I noticed, by the way, that a bunch of these awards are international Awards, international competitions uh, for books. What is it about a story that is so uniquely American? And of course, Americans are always fascinated by, by you know, the, these conspiracy theories that involve Washington D.C. Why do you think this played so well overseas? Any idea? Well, I think overseas they have a lot more conspiracies. I think that you know it's sort of unique when President Kennedy was assassinated that uh, you know we had a madman that pulled this off. And um, that's what I was trying to aim for. This is to get everybody to believe that it's a madman that does it, to lead them away from it. But uh, when you are trying to plot a story out, you want to make it as believable as possible. And um, and I I just was thrilled. I was really shocked that you know the book was was well received as it was because you know when you when you're that close to it, you know, and you you wonder is this any good? Is is anybody going to write about it? And suddenly I started getting all these really great reviews and and um, I actually asked uh, you know 
I'll tell my friends that, you know, sometimes it's better to get a four-star review that's really glowing than a five-star review because everybody thinks that was just your friends and family that went out and, you know, and you know, wrote these great reviews about it. But uh, after a while, it has to be evident, <laughs> you know, that it was pretty universal. I don't think it's ever gotten a single one-star review. I hope this, this uh, podcast doesn't lead to one. Yeah, let's, let's hope not. So, listeners, be on your best behavior on the spectrum conspiracy. I don't think you have to worry about that. I mean, the book is just it, – it, it's one of those books that flies by. And, and, you know, sometimes people, I think un, unrightly so, take shots at authors like John Grisham and say, oh, you know, it's just – it's a beach read and there's no, there's no there there. It, it's not, you know, literary enough. But at the end of the day, most of us like to read for our own enjoyment and, and what engages the reader – um, did you begin with that end in mind that you wanted to make this thing a page turner or was there another purpose when you sat down to write this book? Well, I certainly like page turners. Uh, you know, Dan Brown wrote a, a real good page turner. I think he had 102 chapters in his and, and at the end of every chapter there was this little cliffhanger. So at 2 o'clock in the morning you, you know, you're dead tired and you're reading this book and then you just say, oh, there's just two more pages in the next chapter so I'll go on and then at four o'clock in the morning, you're still reading it. So uh, yeah, that's that's always the goal, I think. You know, and and this story is a lot more than just the assassination. The assassination just kicks off things, but um, it's a huge mystery for Crosby and, and Dr. Marley Matthews, the forensic pet specialist that he's been working with, and everything seems so open and shut. But uh, you know, they start uncovering all these minor little details, these things that just don't seem, you know, to add up, like the fact that the press secretary commits suicide the next morning. Um, you know, and everybody thought, well, maybe, you know, that, that he was just so so upset. And then uh, the cameraman um, that, that was supposed to come in and film the real cameraman um, catches the flu, and you don't catch the flu immediately. That's something that, you know, incubates for about four days. But his cat died that night, and cats don't catch the flu. So that becomes another little mystery. So all these little small little clues keep building until all hell breaks loose in part two. You know, you, you mentioned Dan Brown there, uh, who, you know, obviously his books have, have done very well, and they got more than just a little bit of marketing help by being turned into films, the Da Vinci Code films. Um, uh, it was the first one. So uh, this book feels very cinematic in scope. It reads like a movie. Um, I talked to some authors who would love for their books to be made into movies and others who, frankly, have no interest in that because they lose so much of the creative control and, and the story gets twisted so much by the time Hollywood is, is done with it. How do you feel about that? Would you, would you like to see this movie made into, or this book made into a movie, or, or do you want to, to keep the story pristine like it is? No, I'd love for it to be made into a film because, you know, it gets us so much more exposure that way. And, you know, movies help sell books, obviously. And, you know, and we all we all try to picture what it would be like to see it up on a big screen. You know, there are there are characters in my book, you know, that I think were very colorful. I remember there was this, this one girl when I was uh, substitute teaching. She had every piece of her makeup on the table and on her desk while I was trying to teach the class, and I thought, I've just got to use you as a character in this book. You know, if you want those interesting, quirky characters, you know, and some sometimes, you know, they, they're from your real life, you know. But, you know, it's, the whole idea of the story was just to 
to try to make it as real as possible, to try to make the characters interesting. I try to make each character as interesting as possible. You know, I think the success of Harry Potter was the fact that there was like 130 characters, but you knew who they were. You knew something about each one that made them, you know, stick in your head. I can recall characters now from Harry Potter books. I haven't read one of those books in ages. You make a great point, and, and along those lines, uh, I know we talked off the air, you you could visualize an, uh, an actor like Matt Damon as, as your FBI Special Agent Crosby. Do you see, um, in, in your mind's eye, more uh, books uh, featuring Devin Crosby? Is, is it going to turn into a series, sort of like uh, you know Dan Brown did with the Langdon book? Or is this a one-off and, and, uh, and, and no more Devin Crosby books? Well, I'm not ever going to rule that out. Even John Grisham actually went back and wrote a sequel to A Time to Kill, uh, and he said he actually he could have written a thousand pages on it because he enjoyed the character so much in, in coming back to that one. Uh, I think I'm more in line with uh, um, his philosophy where I would like to write independent books uh, that uh, don't have to rely on the same characters all along. As long as you give them similar characters, I think that works fine. And in all his books, you know, his his characters are are pretty much the same type of person, you know, and, and have the same type of personality. But, uh, you know, this, this story is one of those that, uh, you know, it was my first attempt at it. And uh, my first book, actually, uh, if I took the time to go and clean it up, you know, I might make a good novel, too. So I'm kicking that idea around as well. Whatever you do next, I wish you the, all the best. Uh, the book that we're talking about today is The Spectrum Conspiracy. It's a terrific political thriller, five stars all across Amazon.com and other online services for author Craig Ferris. We're almost out of time. Craig, appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Wherever you are, go out and make it a great day and pick up a copy of Spectrum Conspiracy today.